Blog Talk Radio. to another episode of Cash Talk Wednesday. Penny Hardy here, Terry Brown. It's about to join us shortly. Got another jam-packed episode, which is the case this time of year with everything in the world going on. Football season in full swing. Got to look back at the setback in Knoxville against the Volunteers. Basketball plays tonight at 9 o'clock. So get your pregame on with us. We'll roll from 6 to 8, so you can pregame and get ready for North Dakota Fighting Hawks as they come to Lexington. Talk about that. Men's soccer has got home cooking for a good little while. Coming up now, we'll talk about that. Little NBA drama, we might have to talk about that. So a full-on variety of topics to talk about this evening, TV. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. Winter is here. Winter is coming, or however it said in the uh, Game of Thrones vernacular. It's starting to get cold here, sleet uh, falling here in Kentucky and Lexington and Louisville. So it just means the basketball time. So uh, a lot of stuff to cover. For sure. It's a a wide variety, Uh, a lot of this and a lot of that. Got to look back at some some. Disappointing outcome. Got a game tonight, and over the course of time we've been doing this show, there's been some Wednesday games that Kentucky's played. Sometimes there's been games that will start at 7, right in the middle of the show. Tonight it's a 9 o'clock game. You know, a lot of people aren't thrilled with those 9 o'clock tip-offs. It means a late evening, especially those covering the game, even those watching the game. Um, but it's North Dakota tonight at 9. We'll talk about that. Um MTSU comes in for senior day uh, at Kroger Field, and a lot of beloved seniors will play their last home football game. Men's soccer is in surviving advanced mode now. Uh, you'll be covering that. And, and, look, man, that's just scratching the surface, and everybody's welcome to call in, as always, 845-277-9373 on Facebook and Twitter at Cats Talk Wednesday, Cats Talk W-E-D. They can get at us in any of those um, avenues and, and communicate with the show, call in, fire some comments and questions at us because we're going to you know, jump right on in and have a lot of fun with it like we do. Absolutely. I, you know, hate to do it, but I, I got to start back, you know, got to look back before we look to tonight and look forward. Disappointing. Outcomes Saturday, we know who the rivals are, you know, Louisville in-state rival. And, you know, Tennessee is always a big rival and just means a little something more if you grew up right along the Kentucky-Tennessee border. 
then even living in Tennessee now, um, the the best chance in a long time to get a win in Neyland Stadium, uh, and it hasn't happened since we were seven. Everybody knows the whole 1984 thing. And Jeff Pacoro was on the team. Joker Phillips was on the team. Bill Ransdale. Um, and to be favored for the first time in oodles of years down here and then to see it all just come crashing down um, with Kentucky not really being able to get in the game. The dagger Hail Mary at halftime was kind of the knockout blow given the struggle that the offense has had. It's just like, ah, just don't know if we'll be able to fight their way back in and overcome that deficit, and they weren't able to. So, you know, the positive is they are still that's good. You could be four and six after losing to Knoxville and, you know, having the same conversation. But the search continues to try to find ways to put points on the board um, and not put so much pressure on the defense because they have kind of been starting to show a little bit of wear and tear as well as we continue to progress through the season. Well, the the thing is with with this game, this was – as ugly of a, a game as we have seen from Kentucky this year going into last year, right? This was a game that just from the jump just didn't feel right. And whatever's going on in the locker room or in the coach's office, they, they got to fix it. And there's a couple of things that can be true here. You can be disappointed in the game as a Kentucky fan. Right, you can be frustrated. It's been a good month before since the offense has looked competent, <laughs> which it boggles my mind uh, as a Kentucky fan, even a football fan. You've got Benny Snell, who I believe is still he's still top two or three rushing in the SEC. I think still number one. Usually, when you see offenses score like that. They don't have anybody that good. You know, uh, I saw a little tidbit uh, of the teams that are failing to score at least 30 points a game or 30 points in a game. Kentucky's the only one with a winning record, which just goes to show how good the defense has been. Uh, every, other, every other team that has been on this streak of not scoring 30 points, they're like 2-6 and six and 1-8. And so, you know, just looking at the raw numbers that way, it's kind of head-scratching a, a little bit. Uh, but you've got Benny, and you've got C.J. Conrad. You've got uh, competent receivers. The pieces, and again, I'm no X's and O's guy, but the pieces appear to be there, right? They appear to be on paper. This offense should be able to score 20, 25 points a game. It, it just looks like that. So I think that's where the concern is. So you can be concerned about this team where they are right now. I am. I'm concerned. I'm frustrated. I, I, I think most of the Big Blue Nation is. But, and I, I liked a little bit about what uh, Coach Stoops said on his uh, call, uh, call-in show on Monday. You know, these are the same people that got us to the seven wins already. Right, everybody's pointing at Grand, pointing at this, and my whole thing is you you, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? You can't just say these guys are all terrible 
because, yes, Tennessee, it was a bad loss. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But that doesn't erase five conference wins. It doesn't erase winning at Florida. You, you have to kind of look at the big picture as well. My thing is, if you're going to take a program from 2 to 10, 2 and 10, to 10 and 2, there's got to be steps along the way. And I think what we had on Saturday was a step in the right direction, was what a lot of people kind of talked about before the game, can this team handle success? You know, Kentucky, as you pointed out, was favored in this game, which had been a long time since we were favored in a game. You know, uh, you know not favored against Florida, not favored against A&M. And they kind of played with that chip on their shoulder. Well, they got a little bit of love and laid, laid, a, laid a goose egg. So mm-hmm. that's part of it. If you are going to be the number two team in the SEC East, and if your goal is to next year, the year after, challenge Georgia, you have to be able to handle some success. You have to be able to be the hunted. What it showed me on Saturday was Tennessee was a hungrier football team. Right? Tennessee played with a sense of urgency. You know, Coach Pruitt and his staff said, hey, we can't lose to Kentucky at home. As you pointed out, 1984, we don't want to be that bunch. You know, we don't, we don't want to be like Derek Dooley and Butch Jones and lose to these guys. And it was more of a rallying cry. They played with a little bit more fire, a little bit more urgency. I'm not saying our guys rolled over. I'm not saying that Kentucky wasn't ready to play. I'm just saying that sense of urgency, and you can see that finishing your block. Receivers running the, you know, running the, the right route the right way. Just little things that Kentucky football, we, we've got to do those little things. So there's, there's a lot to look at. There is still potential in this season. What I don't want to have happen is this team get to nine and three and people be really disappointed. People get caught up in the, this could have been a 10 or 11 win. Look, again, we've said it before. You look uh, back in August, how many people said Kentucky could get to nine wins? How many Kentucky fans would have taken nine wins before the bowl game? I would have. I would have signed up for that, (laughs) you know, back in August. So I don't want this team to get even, heaven forbid, it's eight wins. That is a step in the right direction. I get it. They got to seven or one, another bad finish, but I think it's a progression. I think they get things right this weekend, and I would say the end game against Louisville is going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so I still think yeah. they can get to nine wins. It's still a possibility. So, yes, be disappointed, be frustrated, but take a step back, look at the entire season, uh, and, and the thing is, well, you know, Tennessee was a terrible team. Look, rival games on the road, unless you're Alabama, okay, it's going to happen. You're going to, you know, teams are going to lay a stinker game. And this was the first real stinker game that Kentucky had going back to last season. So I don't think the panic move is for Stoops to say, we're going to revamp everything. That is a panic move that you don't do. You can't, you can't do it. Week nine of the season that you can't, you know, you can't throw out everything you've done and install a brand new offense. That doesn't make 
any sense at all. So, uh, you know, I feel confident they'll get it right. It'll be a home home game, home crowd. Uh, I think that will help. Uh, they'll get win number eight and then be going for nine against uh, L in a couple of weeks. Definitely, definitely. And um, you mentioned the, the part about being hunted. Coach Duke said that Monday as well. We talked about it last week um, with J.T. Clifton, you know, who covers uh, Tennessee for SportsRadioAmerica.com. Marquez Callaway, after Tennessee struggled with Charlotte, just straight up said it in their postgame, you know, sessions with the media. Uh, he said they underestimated Charlotte. And he also said they were looking ahead to Kentucky. And that's not a position Kentucky football has been in a lot. And and that's part of the transition you mentioned. If you're going to try to move on up to challenge Georgia, that comes with the territory where teams are going to shoot for you. You're going to have the target on your back, just like Kentucky basketball week in and week out. You know, uh, everybody shoots for Kentucky. Kentucky's everybody Super Bowl. Every arena sold out. Uh, week in and week out, game in and game out. So that's the next thing, you know, Kentucky's going to have to do. Get used to getting everybody's best shot. Get used to, hey, we're trying to come after you. You're ranked number 11. Getting overrated chance. You know, they, that, that happened in Missouri as well. Kentucky squeaked out a win, but, you know, they were on the ropes, and Missouri fans were chanting overrated at Kentucky football. Same thing in Neyland Stadium, overrated. You know, as you leave defeated as a ranked team, as a favorite team uh, coming in to get a win. So it's, it's okay to, like you say, be concerned. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be concerned, frustrated, and optimistic all at the same time because, the potential for nine and three is still there. You can be optimistic that they are going to figure out a way to win these last two games. Uh, you can be frustrated with an offense. I wrote about it yesterday. The offense has scored 54 points in the last five games. Now you got a defensive touchdown in there at Texas A&M. You got the Lynn Bowden punt return at Missouri. But defensively, you know, 10.868 points per game over the last month and change. Uh, since the dreaded second half of the South Carolina game. Um, so, like you said, and look, if they lose out, if they finish 75, that will be not what you want to see, but they'll still have five conference wins, which hasn't been done in 40 years. So that will still, at the end of the day, be progress. But eight or nine is still there because you, you finish the season with two very winnable games. And we definitely got to get to Louisville because, you know, I was hoping Bobby would still be there <laughs> to finish out the season, but he gave them absolutely no choice. But, you know, it is going to be interesting up there, well, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, with with, uh, with the Bobby Petrino, it, I, I've said it and I'm going to keep saying it. If you could, if they could be a documentary series on L athletics from 2013 to now, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, think about it. From winning the title in basketball to losing it to scandal after scandal after scandal to having the Heisman Trophy winner 
coming close to beating Clemson at Clemson two years ago to getting boat raced. I mean, there have been great articles on ESPN and various sites about the, the downfall, but it basically boils down to Bobby Petrino is not a nice person. Whatever you think of his indiscretions at, at uh, Arkansas, he's just not a nice person. And what the ripple effect was, coaches didn't want to work for him. And if you're a football coach and you can't get any elite position coaches to develop players, to recruit, and then develop the players, that's the thing. And I'm just amazed that how much Lamar Jackson was able to really take over the the fissures and the breaks that were going on in the program the last couple of years. I've talked to folks that, that cover U of L. Uh, sports, you know, bloggers and podcasters and radio guys and and everything that's happening this year, they could see coming the last couple of years. But you had Lamar Jackson. And keep in mind, as talented as Lamar Jackson was, just one bowl game, right? And I think their best finish was eight and five, I think. Yikes. You know, you you've had a, a you know a Michael Vick, a Tim Tebow and you're, and you're not able to put away Boston College, that was always my thing with looking at U of L. Like, my goodness, Lamar Jackson is fantastic and phenomenal. How are you, how are you losing to Kentucky at home? Like, how? Like how? how is that? No, and, and you know, I, yeah, I dig a little bit because of the rivalry, but, but Boston College, Wake Forest has won back-to-back games against Louisville, and they haven't been close. Louisville's given up. I think four fifty point for performances this year, really? I mean, <laughs> I mean and and so you got a coach that nobody likes, and I think what really iced it for for people was the AD Vince Tyra and and some of the boosters realizing that on the, the remainder of Louisville's schedule with Bobby Trino's coach, coaches weren't going to take any mercy. I mean, Clemson, mm-hmm. on their way to 77, they were passing in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, Bobby Petrino had not built up. You know, usually you get a situation where it, yeah, we're just going to, you know, halfback dive, fullback dive, punt the ball, let's just keep the clock going and get out of it. But no. I mean, uh-huh. Georgia Tech tried, you know, Wake Forest, Boston College, Syracuse. Syracuse, where two years ago, Lamar Jackson did that that highlight leap into the end zone. Yeah. Really kickstarted his campaign, and and mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is a life comes at you fast moment. The biggest thing for me was I listened to a little bit of sports radio here in town. Actual scan tickets to get into the games, not tickets sold, which is what they announced, not tickets accounted for, but scan tickets people into the gate, fifteen thousand. For Florida State, you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand, you know, for Georgia Tech, and it, and and that is not sustainable. Not if that's not sustainable if you're a Division two school, really. But if you're an ACC, a big time Power Five, you, it's it's a got to go situation. People will talk mm-hmm. about you know Bobby's buyout and whoever they bring in. It's a lot of money, but it's one of those things you got to pay that money because you can't survive another year you know, with concessions and tickets. and it, I mean, it was a, a got-to-go situation. Uh, you know, and this was the last holdout from, you know, if you look at the 
the three-headed monster that was U of L athletics for a big chunk of time uh, with Jurich, uh, Tom Jurich, athletic director, Rick Patino, and, and Bobby Petrino. This was the last one, and now this will give Louisville a chance to make a full, clean slate of its entire athletic department. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I had lost track. I just when you said that, I pulled up their schedule because yeah, four teams over fifty. You know, Georgia Tech sixty six, Wake Forest fifty six, Clemson seventy seven, Syracuse fifty four, and the Wake Forest one too. With a running back that Louisville kicked to the curb, and he's running all over him and throwing up L's down. Well, throwing, you know, doing L's down when he gets to the end zone after just running roughshod over Louisville's defense. So that wasn't more salt to the wound. And, you know, extra gratifying for him, you know, just like a guy gets traded and, you know, he sticks it to his old team. This kid gets to come back uh, and stick it to Louisville after they didn't want him. And he comes back with Wake Forest, comes back to Louisville, and I think he ran for over 200 yards. And, and then, you know, Celebrates with L down in the end zone, so that's you know, yeah. Yeah. unbelievable. Well, he he ran for like 140 last year with a touchdown. This year comes back, goes for over 200 with a like three touchdowns. <laughs> and and, and yeah. that's the thing too. Is, like I said, if you're usually coaches try to take it easy on each other, but you can't take it easy. Like no one was going to take it easy on Bobby. You know, and if, and and. I think, and, and they won't say, Louisville fans won't say this, but I think there was a real fear that with Kentucky being the last game, you know, what I've been talking about forever and ever, that if, because if, it's clear the, the, the Cardinals' run defense was horrid. They wanted the image of Kentucky, you know, getting the 40 points and Benny Snell having a, I, I don't think they wanted that. I think that had to factor into it as well. That's, Maybe that's just me coming from a Kentucky-centric point of view, but I have to think the optics of 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 that of of Bobby Petrino, you know, losing two out of his last three against Kentucky. I I think there were some optics at play there as well. So, you know, they they want Brom, uh, they want Jeff Brom from uh, Purdue. Uh, he's from here. He played here. He he's got ties here. Uh, I don't know if it's a slam dunk. I don't under, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to guess at that. Um, but if they get Brom, that's that's a pretty good. In 18 months, you go, you get rid of Jurich, you get rid of all these guys, and you bring in people that are really likable, good guys. Uh, you know, if they get Brom, uh, you know, I can't hate Chris Mack. I like Vince Tyra. Uh, pretty good roster of your big three. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if they get him or not, but if they do, that's – as a Louisville fan, you have to feel good about where your program is headed as you try to move forward from all the extra junk. <laughs> yeah, and as far as, you know, negativity and like you mentioned, the state of the program, it, it couldn't get any lower morale. Apathy couldn't get any higher. Morale couldn't get any lower. Uh, the excitement was gone. All the report from your guy Mark Ennis about supposedly 20 guys wanting to transfer and wanting to leave. One of those this time last week was son of former cat Russ Yeast, 
but now apparently he's decided to come back. So, you know, Lorenzo Ward is the interim coach, you know, trying to finish out the season against NC State and Kentucky. Um, you get one guy back anyway as far as him deciding that, okay, I'll stay now that Bobby's gone. Um, and the effort, uh, I forget, maybe it was this last game, you saw the defensive lineman on the extra point attempt. I mean, going through the motions was overstating it. That was putting it too kind. You know, barely got out of the stance, didn't even try to push and, and contest the kick. Maybe they will play hard or these last two games. Maybe they will have fight against Kentucky, uh, which is why a lot of us want to see Bobby there. And like you said, it will be interesting. But there's small things that have already gotten better just in, you know, since they made this move uh, to part ways on Sunday. Yeah. And, and look, I'm, I'm not going to throw uh, dirt on, on someone's grave and, you know, Bobby's transgressions are what they are. Uh, it was weird because it was announced. The, his firing was announced while his coach's show was on the air here in town, <laughs> yeah. locally. So there's a screenshot of him breaking down, I think, the Syracuse game and the crawl mm-hmm. is he's just been fired. You know, it was <laughs> I, I thought after Clemson that we could possibly see a repeat Lane Kiffin performance. You know, when he got fired from USC where athletic director kicked him off the bus. I, I thought we may be able to see, All right. to see that. But <laughs> like <laughs> pulled him off and said, Yeah, you gotta find your own way own way home or whatever. But uh yeah. the the and, and and looking at attendance and just the state of the program and you look at what Vince Morrow has done bringing in a lot of Louisville kids into Kentucky and and you can't do that. If you're Louisville or you're Kentucky The city of Louisville, the state of Kentucky, doesn't produce a lot of Division I talent year in, year out. You know, we have those fluky years where, uh, you know, Louisville has, you know, Redmond or or Brom or whoever. And and Kentucky, you know, we got Andre Woodson and we get, uh, uh, you know, um, I'm thinking Jerry Lorenzen. You know, you get some homegrown talent. The key is – you really have to keep that talent. When you do have that rare Division One guy come out, like you've got to keep him. And and Louisville wasn't doing that. And that's what and, – and, and Louisville is very community dependent. It's a, it's a – you know, the city really embraces the team. And if you've got guys going to Mayo and Trinity and St. X and they're not going to L. That's an issue. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. And 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 with no plan to address that, that's really, mm-hmm. you know, that that's that's part of it as well. Yeah, they try to put a fence around the city, and for the most part, they they had been, you know, as far as keeping all those guys uh, in the city of Louisville. You know, all those you know top one, D one talent trying to get them to stay home for sure. And, and they've been losing out on that. So it, 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 it was just a breakdown. It started at the top. Uh, you could almost see it happening from the jump because I know a lot of people weren't okay with Bobby Petrino coming back. 
you know, second acts usually don't work. I can think of maybe Bill Snyder, Kansas State, and 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 that's you know I'm thinking of coaches that have come back. That's really about it uh, on the college level. Uh, of course, Phil Jackson came back to the Lakers and, and you know won some titles, but it, it, it you usually that <laughs> second act just isn't. Yeah, I got to put that in there, right? <laughs> I, 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 I picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the second act usually isn't is good. You know, the sequel is not as good as the original. They were hoping for uh, a Terminator Two, Bobby Two Point and they got Weekend at Bernie's Two. Is what is what happened. Um, and without Lamar Jackson, who who Petrino really didn't want, you know, really was reluctant to bring on. Uh, he had to be convinced to do so. I, I think without Lamar, it's way worse. So whatever that $14 million, you know, bonus is, I think Petrino needs to give Lamar, you know, buy him a nice watch or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Send something uh, like Baltimore for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and with people not working for him, he hired his family, which is great if it works. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic if it works, but if it doesn't, and, and honestly, you know, I'm against that kind of thing because if your position coach is son of the head coach, who do you go to if you have a problem with your position coach? Like, where do you, like, yeah. do you tell the head coach, like, hey, your son is, you know, no. I mean, I, 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 I'm not a fan of that at any level. I know it yeah. happens around, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that, that. That was a, just a bad situation. So I think you, Louisville will bounce back. Uh, they may dip as they, you know, uh, whoever the new coach ends up being. But um, you know, if they can get a, a a home run hire like they have with with Chris Mack, I mean, it's U of L won't be down for long. That's it. But yeah, as far as that nepotism thing, there's no kind of liaison, like you said, if you if you. Want to, you know, good cop, bad cop, you know, players go to Kenny Payne, you know, sometimes, if, if, you know, as as far as Kentucky basketball is concerned, there isn't any of that if the whole staff is family. So, like like you said, where do you go uh, for sure? But uh, switching yeah, real that, quick, too, yeah. The sen- yeah, for senior day, Middle Tennessee State is 73 as well. Um they played a couple SEC teams already. They played Vandy first game of the year uh, at Vanderbilt. Got beat thirty-five to seven. Played Georgia two weeks later. Lost forty-nine to seven. Um, see some other. They played Charlotte, who also we know we saw Tennessee struggle with Charlotte before they played Kentucky. Charlotte went to Middle Tennessee and Middle beat them twenty-one to thirteen. Um. Old Dominion, who beat Virginia Tech. Of course, Virginia Tech is struggling, but still, Old Dominion beat them. They went to Old Dominion and beat them 51-17. to And Middle has also defeated Western 29-10. to um, Stock still was the coach. His son is the quarterback. But it's a, a type of game that don't give them confidence. Don't let them hang around. Um, you know, they're already bowl eligible isn't going to be as big a pushover, you know, as your Murray State, you know, earlier in the year and things like that. 
and Kentucky is searching and, and trying to right the ship, but you you can't come in and just give them more confidence. They they're they're not gonna be scared playing the SEC team. They haven't fared well playing the SEC this year, but you know they've already been to Vanderbilt. They've been to Sanford Stadium to face Georgia, so they're not gonna be you know wide eyed walking into Kroger Field. So they're gonna have to beat them. Yeah, and this is one of those classics. This is the challenge if you're Coach Stoops, Coach Gray, and Coach House, uh, all the coaches. This is a week where you have you you've got to check and see what you're made of. Honestly, uh, I, I don't like that narrative. I've talked about you know this is the biggest game in Stoops' career. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that for this team, yeah, you got to number nine in the playoff rankings. Yeah, you're still, I think, 17. But what are you made of? You've lost twice. How are you going to finish? We don't need to tell Stoops his teams have started out 5-1, and 5-1, and, one, and, and, you know, and, and not reached the bowl. They started out hot. The challenge is, like you're saying, from the jump, I mean from the first series, whether it's offense or defense, make that first play, you know, if you're on defense, get that three and out. If you're on offense, put the ball in the end zone. Hat on hat, hit somebody. Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge game, and, and I think we have the players that, that, that can answer that challenge. That is what I'd like to see this week. I'd like to see a score at least 30 points, you know, a 35-10 game, something like that, something to get that momentum going where – your in slide doesn't erase everything you did, you know, back in September, you know, uh, it's going to be senior day. It's at home. This is a perfect, this is a perfect opportunity to get right. And I, and I think they will. You know, and, and like uh, we've heard from coach Graham, we've heard from coach Stoops offensively is a lot of different things. It's kind of moving targets as to what's, affecting it. You know, is it protection? There's been times where Terry uh, got sacked where he didn't have a lot of time to throw. The the Daryl Taylor kid from Tennessee had an all-world kind of day. You know, we've seen Josh Allen doing it. Daryl Taylor did that. You know, he had three or four sacks and tackles for loss, and he was everywhere for Tennessee Saturday. Uh, when it wasn't that, there were times, you know, Terry is putting the ball right there and, and guys were dropping passes, which hadn't reared his head as, as much, but uh, we, we saw it against Missouri, and it really was a problem Saturday. Um, and then, you know, maybe Benny was also mentioned kind of like trying to bounce it when he should just stay up in there and, and run the play as designed. So there's a lot of different things that have <laughs> made the struggle so real, you know, and so it's it's a lot of things to get right, but this is a game that will allow them to do it if they take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that is, like I said, and all those things build off each other, to be honest with you. Uh, Benny, or who you know, Benny or Terry, feeling the need to, to they have to make that extra play. And, and I think that's where we kind of get away from who we are as, as an offense is, you know, take, 
you know, take the three-yard gain. Don't try to get seven every single time. And it's easier said than done from, you know, the stands or the press box or at home watching on TV. Right. Uh, but I think they can get – I think they can get back to that. Um, I, I just – like I said, I, I just – no matter how this year ends, I still think this is kind of a step in the right direction. But they have to – you get to nine wins, which is – possible and you're you're still building momentum you're still going to be uh you know nine and three that's still going to be a pretty good bowl game that's still going to be you know uh a a step in the right direction uh, as a program and nine and three will keep you ranked from now until the rest of the season uh you took a big drop in the polls, you know, as expected, you know, because there was there was some griping that Kentucky didn't make it into the top ten, and, and there, there was griping that they weren't ranked after beating Florida, which was legitimate. Follow that up by beating Mississippi State, and then they get ranked. The reaction is kind of, you know, maybe a week late. Um, Kentucky doesn't make it to the top ten. They're, they're 11th. And so, you know, man, it probably should have been in the top ten. The respect, it was felt the respect wasn't there. The respect came by when you lose at Georgia, you don't fall very far at all. You just drop one spot. So that was like, okay, hey, you know, getting a little bit of respect, you know, kind of getting noticed, you know, didn't just get beat 51-3 to against Georgia when you were playing for the SEC East title. But then you stub your toe at Tennessee, um, and you are going to have to take a hit for that. You know, like Kentucky took a hit against Duke in basketball, dropped from two to ten. You finish up by going nine and three. You'll stay ranked. You know, you can use that as selling points on the recruiting trail as well. Um, you know, you lose the middle, you're going to fall out of the top twenty-five. Then deservedly so if that ends up happening, but. Like you mentioned, still a lot of stuff to play for. The New Year's Day stuff, the 10-2, and two, the possible Fiesta Bowl might be off the table. But haven't been 9-3 and three since, you know, 84. There's still a lot of historic things. And 8-4 and, and four will still be progress. But 9-3 and three is right there because these games are, are winnable as long as they handle their business. Right. And that's what it comes comes down to. Uh, again, it, it's it's a program change. It's a mindset change. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's getting away from old Kentucky. Now, the old Kentucky, I, th- I think we would see uh, a lot. We would see them lose the next two games. So let's change that narrative a little bit. You've been punched. Now punch back. That's, that's what I want to see from this team is a, is a lot more fight. Um, you know, if you're going to go down, go down swinging, go down, you know, with your, with your big gun. Um, you know, so I, I, I think they do get back on track. I haven't really looked uh, at a whole, whole lot of uh, middle Tennessee state, but um, I think if we can get back to, to where we were just a month ago, I think the cats are able to, to pull this one out. And they were in this position last year. You know, you you had Georgia on the schedule still yet instead of Middle Tennessee. They were seven and three last year, and you got Georgia, and you got Louisville, uh, and 
and got beaten soundly in both games. You know, it was semi close with Georgia's 21-13, and then, you know, they ran off 21 straight to blow it open. Uh, and then we know what happened at Kroger Field against Louisville. So now you are a year later, you're 7-3 and three again. Can you finish it the way you want to this time? So, like you said, it's <laughs> uh, see what you made of. You know what happened last year. Learn from your mistakes, uh, and you get another crack at it. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what happens this coming Saturday. Uh, we got basketball tonight, TV, a couple hours from now. Kentucky and North Dakota. Tomorrow the women play Virginia at Rupp Arena. Um, and the soccer is coming up as well with the men in the NCAA tournament. So all kinds of things happening. Um, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks will be the opponent tonight at 9 o'clock for the Cats. Uh, I think it's still a lot of the game against SIU, but Everybody, you know, all you heard was they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Coming off of a bad blowout loss at Duke, and you found yourself in a battle. Uh, Tom Leach was talking to Kevin Greavy today, and they referenced the game, you know, before you and I were around. They went to Indiana and got blown out, I think 1974 it was, Uh and Kevin Greavy said, you know, you just don't bounce back from that quickly. The very next game, I think they had to play North Carolina. And the first half started off disastrous again. Uh, and then they were able to rally and win that game. So it, it it takes a while to kind of shake that off when your confidence gets shaken like that. And everybody, like you mentioned with the football team, got to see what you're made of, the gut check, all those things. That's what Kentucky had to do against Southern Illinois. A good team who was, you know, coming in and taking it to Kentucky throughout the game. Had an early lead, had a good lead through the second half. Kentucky had to battle and, you know, fight off whatever they were still reeling from against Duke and dig in against Southern Illinois. Overcoming that doesn't just happen the next game. Even though you're kicked off and want to take out that frustration, it still involves people coming together. It's early in the season. Uh, still we're kind of looking for leadership and identity and guys to kind of play like you expect them to, and you have another chance to do that and take another step forward uh, tonight. It's a team that you should beat, but it's all part of picking the pieces back up from that first game. And i got to ask you, we, we heard Cal yesterday, you know, I don't know if backtrack's the right word, but kind of having to pump the brakes because they weren't as far along as he thought they were. Uh, Got to go old school with, with the teaching and more fundamentals. And this kind of reminded me of the Fox and Monk year. They came out just blazing and playing so fast and running teams off the court. Uh, the high-scoring game against North Carolina – you blow out Arizona State, and they're just up and down, and then teams start playing half court and control the tempo, and it shut Kentucky down and, and slowed them down, and they kind of had to regroup and all of that. It's, did the cow kind of get a little ahead of himself? Did he get a little swaggier than he thought? I mean, he had more. I, I, 
together than he thought, and now he's like, oh, now we don't? You know, what do you think? I, I think so. I, I think the Bahamas trip was a little bit of fool's gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just for the players, I think for the coaches. Uh, you know, I think everybody, we saw that, they were playing teams, what have you, and said, oh, okay, okay. You know, I, I bought into that. And, and Cal didn't uh, – he didn't step away from it. You know, we've seen, you know, yeah. last year Cal always reminded everybody, you know, this is the youngest team of a red. You know, he, he, he usually <laughs> provides cover for his team. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what really the perception of this team as it is right now, Cal kind of set up. And I think if he had to do it again, he would do it differently. Because um, we all thought, you know, you and I talked about it. We've talked to all kinds of people. Hey, this team's going to be ready to roll. This, you know, we've got – you look at the numbers. Uh, when you have sophomores come back under Cal, you know, P.J. Washington came back, Quade Green came back, sophomore Nick Richards. We all thought – and Nick Richards played well against Southern Illinois, 19 rebounds, which I think is the most in the mm-hmm. decade for a U.K. basketball player. So, uh, again, what we are seeing is this team is talented. Uh, I think we, we don't need to take our eye off the ball. This team is still Final Four caliber. Duke, again, is great. They're not unbeaten. You know, Duke's not that good. We're not that bad. So, I think by the end of the year, this team is going to be Final Four caliber. There's just too much talent uh, across the board not to, not to get to that point. But I think it's going to be more of a process than anybody anticipated. I, I think it's going yeah. to take some time uh, because, for me, the biggest issue is point guard. We've got Ashton Hagens. We've got Emmanuel Quickly. Really good guards, right? But, again, the best Cal teams have elite point guards. And, and, you know, I don't need to rattle off the names for any Kentucky fans because from John Wall to uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you just have guys that can, can go get it and make things happen. And those guys that we have this year are taking a little bit of time to figure that out, right? Um, our, our good friends at Kentucky Clips on Twitter put a, a little clip, I guess you could say, of the Kentucky North Carolina game, the John Wall year, right? And I think people forget how a lot of those teams won just on just the talent alone at the very beginning of the year. You know, I, I challenge folks if you can watch the first Kansas game from 2012 and then watch the championship game. It's a completely different way we dismantled them, but we had great, great point guard play. So we've got to get something from the point guards. And defensively, the communication's got to be there. I, I said to somebody watching, uh, I think y'all said to Tina, watching uh, the Duke game, Tina Cox, friend of the show. This would have been a moment for, um, oh, I can't, I can see his face. It's going to come to me. The guy that transferred out, oh, my goodness, I'm losing my mind. Sasha Kalia Jones. Sasha Kalia Jones to communicate on defense because that's what Kentucky was not doing at all. 
And I just remember uh, in Boise, uh, particularly for the Dave, or for the Davidson and the Buffalo game, Shasta Clea Jones on that back line was calling things out, was being vocal on defense. Mm. And that's what has been missing the first couple of games this year. It would have been great to, to, to put him in and, and, and let, let somebody be vocal. That's where the Kentucky defense under Cal has really been great when you've got really vocal defenders. And, and you think of Michael Kidd Gilchrist and, and DeAndre Liggins and guys that could D up but, but could communicate. And, you know, Alex Poitras. I know, you know, up and down, up and down, but, but he could play solid defense for you. And so that's what we need to get to, and it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for the team to gel. Uh, I, I think, though, that, that Cal kind of oversold a little bit, expectations a little bit higher probably than they should have been. But this team can still mm-hmm. be really good. Uh, you know, I'll watch right. Kansas. i watch Michigan State. You know, Duke won't shoot like that again. And Yes, I know they got phenomenal talent, yada, yada, yada. I get that. The, the game is what it is. But Kentucky has a chance to be a lot better. I think we saw Duke probably play as good as they could play on, on, on last Tuesday. But Kentucky's ceiling isn't there yet. And, and Cal has this knack of, of teams not hitting their ceiling until February, March. So I, it's too early to start pushing the panic button on, on that. Right, right. And <laughs> – and it's it's funny too, just like you said, kind of oversold, and now we're kind of pumping the brakes. Tuesday, let's see, it was the Duke game was on a Tuesday, whatever. The, the following day, when you know Cal just spoke with the media, um, and he also made a point to say that we weren't intoxicated with what we saw at the Bahamas, and now we go from there that quote to. You know, we, we got to go old school, and and so you know he's walking it back a little bit, and and because they're not exactly where he thought they'd be, and the point where after the Duke game he also he straight up said, and heck you were there, um, I grabbed Emmanuel and Ashton in the hallway because I got to spend more time with y'all <laughs> because. You know, because the the point guard position being so vital and the catalyst, and they weren't where they need to be. So you you got those kind of three quotes within the past week, and it is kind of been like a reevaluation of of where they actually are compared to where they thought they were. Yeah, and look, if if, if Marcus T can get it, and and you know, love the kid, but he he was a knucklehead for the first couple of months of the 2012 season. <laughs> People, you know, people forget uh, Deron Lamb, who I think is criminally underrated when we look at great guards under Cal, great guards in Kentucky history, played a lot of point guards, right? I mean, he played point guard in the championship game until Teague really got it. So this team is far from a finished product, and, it, and it's going to get that. And I understand people get frustrated because the loss was ugly against Duke. You know, there's no – you, you can't put lipstick on a pig at this point. But people, I want to get people to pump the brakes on, well, you know, uh, Coach K is beating Cal at Cal's own game. Even our own fans say it. And, you know, he's been no. getting top guys last couple of years. Look, right. 
Duke went to the Final Four in 2015. You know, Kentucky went to the Final Four in 2015. Neither team has been back in the three completed seasons since. So Coach K may be beating Kentucky, but but he's he, he's not getting those championships either. So pump your brakes, you know. And, and Duke's got some of those head scratching losses since 2015. So I, I just I, I I think I don't think it's fair to just you know. And again, the 34 point game it is what it is. But I, it, it's it's not so much that. Cal's got to reshuffle what he's doing. You know, easy. Easy. You know, three years out of Final Four is not a long time. Let's just <laughs> let's just calm it down. Let's just, you know, whoo. You know. <laughs> uh, you know, people yeah. people like to get excited. And I, and I get that. I get the frustration. Look, I, I know the Duke game. I sat there and watched the Duke game. Every I keep telling people, Kentucky fans, Man, that Duke game, look, I told you last week, Tina and I sat the second row from the floor underneath the basket, Duke's basket for the second mm-hmm. half. Every Zion Williamson dunk was 10 feet from me. Every, you know, every Cam Reddish jump shot was right there in my face. I am well aware of what happened against Duke. What I'm saying is <laughs> I don't think that's indicative of how the season is going to go. That's just my two cents. You don't have to look. You don't have to tell me about the Duke game. I know. You know, I was there. I had to listen to Coach K's smug post game press conference. I had to listen to all of it. I had to listen to Duke cheer as they came off the court talking about blank, blank Kentucky. I, look, I'm well aware of what Duke did on Tuesday night last week. But what I'm saying is it's too early, too early. Just like you don't, I don't want to see. Uh, Coach Stoops, revamp everything on the fly. Cal doesn't need to redo everything. I trust Cal. I trust him. I think he has earned the right to correct this shit. Who do you think plays the best for Kentucky tonight? Which couple of players do you think stand out? Just, you know, if you had a feeling, you'd have to guess. I mean, for me, the the only player, the, the the one player that really came out from the jump that I saw uh, against Duke was Keldon Johnson, and and he's been the guy, he's been that energy guy that we've seen from Big Blue Madness to the Blue White game. He looks ready to play, and and so I think he has the potential to be that MKG energy guy. You know, going going back to that 2012 team again, MKG, the freak he was, but he kind of set the tone, mm-hmm. and the other guys kind of fell in line. I think he's got to be that that kind of energy guy, uh, and, and I think Reed Travis has to be the he's got to be that Chuck Hayes slash Tyler Eulis. You know, hey, this is how we do things here. And I get it. He's trying to fit. You know, he he's a new guy, and it's a little uh, it's a little different to come in and try to be that guy. Uh, yeah. But but he's got to be that. Hey, this is this this is how we have to this is how we have to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I look for PJ to kind of hit his groove. Uh, maybe it starts tonight or the next game, but. It's, um, didn't have a great outing against Duke, you know, with him being um, 
you know, a sophomore returning player. Uh, came back to kind of hone his game for the next level. Uh, I think he'll kind of hit his stride. And and especially, look, everybody talks about the free throws. But, again, you were there for the Kansas State game. You can't shove the free throws aside. But the rest of his game that night, you know, if you can just kind of carry that over, uh, that's what we're looking for as well. And I think he'll kind of start to hit his stride uh, tonight and kind of be more consistent versatile as well as still providing that muscle and, and grit and toughness like he did last year. And now he's got Reed to kind of help him with that department. Yeah, and, and my thing is with, with fans, and I, I really don't want to police fans too much. You know, I, you know, everybody gets their two cents. I get that. But at, at this point, how berating the guys about the Duke game, what point does that serve? for him to keep beating guys up about that. Like, what is to be gained by that, by, by tearing? You, I, I don't understand what would be gained by you – look, know, those guys are going to tune into, you know, ESPN, and, and that's going to be the talking point for the rest of the year, that Duke game. That's their motivation. That, that's their, their, their motivation right there. You know, Cal and the coaches don't need to keep bringing it up, don't need to keep hammering those points home. You, you you help these kids grow. And, and Cal has to figure out how to communicate to this team, which I think he does better than any coach working today. Uh, you know, uh, I read an article today about uh, Jay Wright at Villanova and, and how they lost a lot off that their championship team of last year. So uh, they're a little bit younger than he was anticipating having with that Dante DiVincenzo and, 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 and those other guys going early. And, and he was saying he doesn't know how, you know, Cal and, and Coach K do it with freshmen, you know, depending on freshmen to do things <laughs> that you know a junior and senior could do. And yeah. so, look, I, I know Villanova, hey, two titles in three years, I tip my hat to him. But there's something to be said for a coach that's able to get his finger on the pulse of, of what's going on. Uh, I mean, just last year, you know, giving the, giving the teams a shake. How many coaches do that? Because we weren't – I know the four-game losing streak, I get that, but but how many coaches are able to kind of make those tweaks on the fly like Cal is, has been able to do uh, since he's been here? I mean, I can go year by year and show how he's kind of tweaked things, and I still think there hasn't been a season where I'm like, man, we could have done more than what this team did. I, I look, 38-1. People need to let that go to some extent. You know, that happened. But 38-1, that, that's a pretty – forgive my language. That's a damn good year, right? You know, uh, 2014, getting to the title game, that was a pretty – that was a damn good run. So there hasn't been a team where I'm like, man, Cal just didn't have it. You know, last year's team, that four-game losing streak, I was like, maybe this is a year that we don't get to the tournament. Maybe this is a year we lose in the first round, you know. And so, I'm not betting against Cal at this juncture. November, the was it November the 14th? Too soon, too soon to to try to get rid of Cal. Absolutely. Take us a quick break. Hour one has flew by, um, flown by, and Kentucky volleyball is up two sets to none on Arkansas. Took set one 25-18, set two 25-15. 
they are continuing to roll. Uh, and like you said, too soon, and, and we will take a quick break, the start of the volleyball season where they went 0-3 out on the West Coast, and oh, yeah. they have made that a distant memory. Kentucky basketball looking to do the same thing. Look like everybody else is going to hammer on Duke, 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 and like that's just, just the way it's going to be. But they can continue to put that further and further in the review and, and kind of get on the roll. Uh, just like Coach Skinner done with the volleyball team. So two sets to none on the Hogs. They just do what they do. Um, and everybody's forgotten all about the 0-3 start to the season. This is Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brother Hardy Radio Network. We'll be back with some NBA drama, uh, TB's Twitter poll, and who knows what else. All kind of stuff still to come. <laughs> Stay right with us. Pre-game with us, Kentucky plays at 9, another hour, Cast Talk Wednesday. We'll be right back. Back, y'all. Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Bradley Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. You can also catch the show wherever podcasts are available on demand. Player FM, Castbox FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcast, it will be there. If you're not able to catch this live tonight, also gets replayed Thursday evenings at 8. Saturday afternoon at 1 on 12 Ounce Sports, 12OunceSportsRadio.com. So I always appreciate that. Uh, so different ways to get the show. If you're listening now, feel free to give us a call, 845-277-9373. Uh, 
Take a little break, play a quick song from our friends Malice and Mario Sweet. We had them on the show a couple of years ago from Seattle. And speaking of Seattle and speaking of singing, because we will talk music from time to time on the show, went to a concert Sunday. The wife and I had a little date night. Uh, went to see Alan Stone, who is from Seattle. And our friends Malice and Mario know him well. And he can sing, and he had come to Knoxville a couple of years ago, and we were out of town, and we're just, oh, like, you know, kicking ourselves that we weren't there to see the show. So saw that he was coming again, got to see him Sunday, and he's a bad boy, TB. So if y'all hadn't heard about him, check him out. If you know about him, you already know what I'm talking about. But uh, he put on the show Sunday night. The wife and I thoroughly enjoyed the concert. Yeah, I saw your I saw your social media post about it. it looked like y'all were having a, a good time. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad man. He's a bad man. Uh, we can't judge a book by his cover. Uh, first video we saw him, he actually was just performing a, a song that became one of his hits in his mama's living room. He knows the name of the album. He just sitting out in the living room, got the band in there, <laughs> in his mom's house, and then you hear him start singing. You're like, whoa. And so now he's uh, out touring and doing well and, and putting on shows. We had a good time. Um, saw your poll, the TB poll, and I, I got to go ahead and mention it. You know, our, our buddies, KY Sports guys, do all kinds of polls every week. But I see you put out a to dog or not dog poll. So what is the status of that in are you being influenced by the results of the poll, or, or how is it all going to shake down? Well, the the girls want a dog. Uh, they've got a dog with their mom, uh, the former Miss TV, but they want a dog with me. And, I, you know, this sounds bad. I'm not a pet person. I mean, I'm not, like, anti-dogs and cats. Well, I'm anti-cats because I'm allergic, <laughs> but I'm not anti I'm not anti-dogs. I'm not anti-anything, mm. but I'm just not pro having a pet. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the day, on the days, on the weekends when I don't have the girls, it's kind of nice to not have to do anything. You know, so <laughs> I don't know, uh, but the girls really want one. Uh, so we we will we will maybe see how that goes. Um, you know. Little Miss has got to be a whole lot nicer to me. You know, I, I put out there, she's been on me about my sweater vest. So she's got to learn a little bit. Uh, she's got to be nice before we move forward. <laughs> and the last time I saw the poll, it was like 88% do it. So I don't know if it's even over or or not. But, like, it sounds uh, like it. Two hundred and twenty-one votes so far. It's it running ninety to ten percent uh, to to yes, dog. So I'll factor that in uh, and and see Lord see what happens. But uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Let's see. You are not a pet person. I'm not a pet person either. Had pets growing up. I saw my sister replied to your your tweet and, and was talking about that. Um, you know, had a couple of dogs growing up. 
as far as the responsibility thing, yes, and no doubt you know you're aware as well. It was on us to have to, you know, feed them and clean up after them and all that, and we did it. But I'm not like on my head to have pets anymore. Uh, my wife got a pet when our oldest son, uh, Micah, who's it should be ten next month. He was a toddler, and you had a, a toddler, and you had a dog that was hyper. And, look, I was like, look, I don't want one. You can get one if you want. She quickly realized that that was way too much to have a a young toddler, our first child, and you got a hyper pet. So that was a a bad decision. Uh, They've had a couple of fish here and there since then, but I'm not on that pet train either. Um, And, look, and a couple of things, maybe I think I got bit a couple of times when I was little, and that's kind of made me like, look, y'all leave me alone. I'll leave y'all alone. Um, when we go to our boy, our, our good buddy Cameron Mills' house, and he's got his dogs, and I'm like, look, just, you know, just leave me alone. I'll leave y'all alone. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, I might like be mean to him. I'm just like, hey, just, I just don't want to be bothered. I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying because I feel the same way. So we'll, we'll we'll see uh you know we'll see how uh, how things go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, and look, the, you you're factoring in the poll, but it doesn't sound like the poll is just going to dictate. So I I'm with you on that as well. Oh, <laughs> 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 well. Um and speaking of polls too, I need to find it. I saw one, I think it was Delta, and look, you're a huge movie guy, and, you know, you watch tons of movies all the time and and stay up on movies, and I'm the world's worst. There's so many movies that I haven't seen. I'm that guy that, you know, something comes on and people are talking about it, and, and I haven't seen it. They're like, you haven't seen that? What? I'm I'm that guy most most of the time. But Delta ran a poll, you know, for those who are gonna fly. Um and actually I think I might have actually seen all of these moves or parts of them. And they were doing a poll about which comedy is there is your favorite. And they did a poll. The winner of the poll will be the onboard movie for them starting in January twenty nineteen. Uh the poll was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Austin Powers to Zoolander and Hangover. So, which one of those would you like to see if you were about to board a Delta Delta flight? Uh, ooh. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, still holds up. I mean, it's a little dated in spots, but it's still still fun. Uh, you know, I went to Chicago uh, for Memorial Day and got to see a parade and catch a Cubs game. So still paying homage to Ferris Bueller you know, 30 years later. So I, I, I'd, go with, I'd go with that one. Well, look at here. They still got 14 hours and 39 minutes left in this poll that Delta tweeted out six days ago, so like a week-long poll. 
And right now, the order of finish, 46% of the vote, Ferris Bueller's day off. Second place, Hangover, 31%. Austin Powers 2, which would be my pick, 14%. And Zoolander, 9%. So, you know, I, I, I threw that at, at you off guard, but <laughs> the overwhelming consensus is right there with you. Ferris Bueller's day off is, is running away with it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's just it, it holds up. I mean, the Hangover classic uh, in its own right. Uh, Zoolander, not a big fan of. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought the first Austin Powers was was a scooch better. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. on the ride with uh, you know I'm I'm Save Ferris. Yeah, well, I just retweeted them out that way. You know, 14 hours left. Anybody else that wants to jump in there. It's gonna take a a whole lot of voting to change it, but you know, Ferris, Day, Ferris Bueller is leading the way. Switching to this NBA real quick, and look, it's just November the 14th. We've already talked about how that's too soon <laughs> when it comes to Kentucky basketball. It's trying to bury them. It's probably too soon. You know, when you if you want to look into the drama that's going on in the NBA, the NBA came in hot. We already had the fight between your Lakers and my Rockets uh, in Game Two. <laughs> now we got KD and and Draymond Green, and look, you've always talked about too with with teams that make dynasty s type runs, uh, just coming in and not caring for the people you work with, you know, after three or four years of, of playing with the same guys. Uh, stuff like that happens. Uh, in addition to the extra wear and tear, you know, or the playoffs and playing longer seasons. But that kind of came to a head the other night with KD and Draymond in a loss to the Lakers' little brothers, the Clippers, where uh, KD didn't get the ball when he think he should have gotten it. And let Draymond know. Draymond went down and didn't even get a shot off that could have won the game. And then we had beef on the sidelines after that, and had Boogie being peacemaker. <laughs> a lot to take in with that. And yeah, and, you know, and my <laughs> thing is, look, the, the, the NBA is just more fan interactive. I, I know the NFL with fantasy football, that's one thing, but the NBA is just. I think it's just more personable. Uh, and, again, it goes to the intimacy. The, the court size is smaller than football and baseball and hockey, and the guys are just wearing tank tops and shorts, so you can see every frown, scowl, every muscle twitch, so you get to really know these guys. But for, for, off, the sea, for off the court kind of shenanigans, it's, it's fantastic, you know, uh, pushing and shoving between our teams, you know, Rondo interrupting people's free throw, hand clapping, you know, what have you. So looking at the Warriors, and, and as they're constructed, you have to think, and most people rightly think, okay, the only way they do that, they, they lose is if they fall from the inside. Like no one's going to beat them if they're firing on all cylinders. And so this whole Draymond-Kevin uh, Durant 
feud could be what derails this team. Now, keep in mind, after 2016, after Draymond was kicking people in the groins and got suspended, mm-hmm. and the Cavs yeah. came back from 3-1. The, the, the story is, after that series, he sat in his car and called yeah. Kevin Durant in tears and said, come join yeah. us. That's the word mm-hmm. of the street. Right. Even if tears weren't involved, you as a grown man called somebody and said, come play with us. Okay. Now, two no. years later, he's a B, he's a this, he's a that. What? Really? Look, <laughs> Draymond is one of those guys. He is lucky and fortunate to end up where he did because his skill set doesn't work anywhere else, right? His 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven doesn't work for any other team. Let's just be honest. And we have seen players across different sports have a role with one team, go to another, and it doesn't work out. Uh, for you, a Cowboy fan, mm-hmm. I'm thinking Alvin Harper was a great compliment to Michael Irvin for those Cowboys teams, goes to Tampa Bay, and realizes, yeah, being the number one guy is a little bit different. You know, and there's all kinds of uh, scenarios like that throughout sports or anywhere else. Larry Brown. Larry I'm, Brown, Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, uh, I just think Draymond probably thinks he is better or more important than he is. And, and and I get that, you know, they're they're winning and all this kind of stuff. But Kevin Durant is MVP caliber. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph Curry, MVP caliber, obviously. And Clay Thompson, I think, you know, can be a lead guy somewhere. Uh, you know. So Draymond is probably as far as talent go, looking at Andre Iguodala looking at some guys, maybe the fifth or sixth guy count-wise on the team. So, but he does all the woofing like he's a lead dog. Uh-huh. And Kevin Durant it doesn't have to put up with that. He's Kevin freaking Durant. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, and that's what Kevin Durant's got to say. It's like, look, you begged me to come here. Uh-huh. You know, and I I, I, I have to think that Kevin Durant's now thinking, like, I don't think he re-signs in the summer with Golden State. Whatever happens in right. the season, I don't think that happens. Uh, but I yeah. think now he says to himself, you know, everybody hated the move from Oklahoma City to Golden State. I'm going to go somewhere where I can beat Draymond Green. <laughs> because I don't think this is an isolated incident. I think this has been building for years. Yeah, I think it's been something that that you know gets swept under the rug and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. For me personally, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, come come to the Lakers, yeah. <laughs> KD, oh boy. with 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 <laughs> with with, uh, <laughs> with LeBron James, who who and 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 get a couple of titles off of the Warriors. That's why I love the NBA because it's feasible. It's possible. You know, I mean, you don't see this kind of maneuvering in other sports where one guy moves and and the landscape just shifts. 
So I, I think he's done in Golden State. Uh, not just Draymond Green, but the fans never really embraced him either. He was all—he's always kind of seen as a hired gun. I think we're like, yeah, we we got Kevin Durant, and he's a nice to have, but man, we we really love Draymond. We really love—you know—he he just. <laughs> I think there was a disconnect with the fans, and and as crazy as it sounds, I think Kevin Durant, more than any superstar, rightly or wrongly, kind of feels that a little bit. You know, you see him on the Twitter and all that. I think he kind of feels that, you know, that tug. And he, if he goes to L.A., we will throw our arms around him. We will beat the Warriors and win a couple of more titles, you know, pass the Celtics. That's just me coming from a Lakers-centric <laughs> point of view, obviously. But it makes sense. Like, hey, hey, you, you come on down the coast a little bit. Uh, we got a spot for you. We got a spot for you in LA. And you know, the the exchange reportedly I think on the athletic and places like that, you know, K D, you know, give me the bleeping ball. You saw him clapping for it after Draymond got the rebound anyway. And you know, you'd rather have him have the ball in that situation, game on the line, you know, for a game winning shot to beat the Clippers. And like you said, it's, it's more than just a little bit of beef during the game. He's a moment stuff. And then Draymond's snapping back, you know, I've made plays before you got here, even though allegedly I'm the one who called and was recruiting you to get here. Is Kevin Durant maybe a little overly sensitive at times? Yeah, with, you know, the – multiple Twitter accounts where he will go after people and, and defend himself and get into little arguments on social media where he gets baited into stuff. He's a little sensitive. Yeah. Is we all know Draymond is a hothead. You already mentioned it. He's calling recruiting KD to join the Warriors after he, you know, kicked away a title against Cleveland. They're up 3-1 to one against the Cavs. Now, I know LeBron with the great chase down block. Kyrie hit the dagger in Steph's eye. I get all that. They're up 3-1 to one when Draymond acts fool, and he's the one that kicked away a title. It could have been, what, four in a row for him, or whatever it is. Um, so, and then you, you add in, like you said, it's, it's been bubbling. It's been just something that, that popped up last night, it's been bubbling. And we know how big of a hothead Draymond is. For Mark Spears from The Athletic and and Wolves to say that this was the most intense locker room episode that they've seen as a franchise, and Draymond been there for a minute. So you know it's been some stuff with him before because, look, he he runs hot. He's that kind of dude. But for this to be the most intense, uh, toxic, heated exchange of everybody's tenure, it must have really been something because, like you said, stuff getting, getting swept under the rug. You know Draymond doesn't have some run-ins and been knocking heads with other people before. That's just kind of his personality, which he – that's the way he's got to play. And, you know, he can't shut that off. 
for this to be the most intense, says something. And it got to the level that, you know, management decided we got to we gotta suspend you for a game. Uh, now, maybe they want to try to do their best to keep KD. Um, and with Draymond being that mad about whatever KD's going to do in free agency, it's his free agency. He hasn't come out and said he wants to be a warrior for life. You know, Clay, Clay does. Draymond does. Everybody's free moral agents. Everybody got free will to handle their impending frenzy the way they choose. That doesn't mean he's not focused on winning a title this year. He he still be just as focused as the rest of them as far as winning another championship before he rolls out. But he ain't got to say nothing. He ain't got to just say it. Well, he could say, I'll talk about it after the season. Or he could not. It's, it's his decision. And it's his to handle. So Draymond's got to leave that alone. That's, that ain't really got nothing to do with him. And, and the thing is, about all this as well is, I forgot, I, was, I had a whole point. I had a whole point. Uh-oh. Getting old is no fun. But the, <laughs> that's why you look at, and you touched on this uh, when we first started talking, people just assume that the Bulls would have won eight straight if Jordan would have stayed. Look, man. Mm-hmm. Wear and tear, and teammates. Even when you're winning, you don't. You just you start grating on each other. And mm-hmm. when you look at going deep into the playoffs, that is, uh, you know, and with the playoffs, the way they're scheduled, different from the regular season, you spend a lot of time with these guys. And and stuff that was funny in 2016 and 2015, you're tired of at this mm-hmm. point. It's just natural. You know, my whole mm-hmm. thing is, look, people, well, you know, uh, you have to work around. Look, take your kids to Disney World or any amusement park. Are you the same when you first get there or our kin? Even at the happiest place on earth, you reach a point where you get tired of your family. It happens. You get tired of your coworkers. <laughs> It just it it just happens, and and to to think that the the that the the Bulls could have that the, all the the role players could have put up with Jordan for eight straight extended seasons, that's a fallacy, man. <laughs> you know, you know he uh, uh, when he came back, he that's when he got into a fist fight with Steve Kerr. So <laughs> look, it happened, and I'm speaking. I don't you. Know, I, as a Lakers fan, I think I have said repeatedly the Lakers left at least two titles on the table because Shaq and Kobe couldn't get along. And they were dominating the NBA during that three-peat. But they couldn't get along, and sometimes winning fixes a lot. It doesn't fix all. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised. I, I, I'm just not surprised. And with Draymond being Draymond, I can see Kevin Durant and and even other guys saying, okay, that's enough. Can you imagine Draymond being on your team for a hundred plus games a year? A hundred plus pregame Draymond, a hundred plus halftime Draymond, a hundred plus road trip. What? 
<laughs> but even if, but 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 you know, it, so that's just saying. Look, sometimes it just it it be like that. As the kid, it just be like that. You get tired of people, and there's no. I don't think yeah. anybody's a bad guy, but it's just you get tired of the person, even if you win it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we are. You already laid out the scenario what you hope happens after the season with KD <laughs> moving on down the coast. So yeah, we yeah, kind of <laughs> which could very well you know, possibly happen. You never know. You never know. Uh, the other big story, which probably got trumped by all this Warrior story, but we talked about it a few weeks ago, even when it, you know, the NBA was just getting started and you know we're still in football mode and, and you know, all that. We we had Gerald Brown on Sirius XM Radio. The Jimmy Butler saga was the biggest storyline going into the season, and you yourself, Jerry Brown, kind of laid out, well, it depends on how they come out the gate. Uh, you know, winning cures a lot. It doesn't cure everything, but it cures a lot. And they didn't do a lot of winning right now. Minnesota is 5-9. and nine. I do believe, yeah, five and nine, 14th in the Western Conference out of 15 teams. The only, only team they're ahead of right now is the Phoenix Suns. And Minnesota made the move, pulled the trigger, sent Butler to Philly, uh, got a lot of players back, Covington and Sarek and draft picks and all that. Now you get Jimmy with Embiid, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, J.J. Redick, Philadelphia thinks he's the final piece to help them really get over the hump and contend for a title. You also get the whole Jimmy's hard to play with, Jimmy's rough on young guys. You saw the beef he had with Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, You also saw Markel Fultz's free throw, looking like Charles Barkley's golf swing. Everybody already thinks he's going to just come in and just start killing Fultz. (laughs) But the management seems to think that, oh, chemistry's going to be all right. You know, Brett Brown, Elton Brand, and all them think it's going to be okay. So we'll see. Is it is winning going to keep that happy, or are we going to kind of see Jimmy knocking heads with everybody like he did in Minnesota and to a degree in Chicago? At some point, you've got to say, Jimmy Butler is just, while not a bad guy, like he's the, a bad teammate. And look, you can, you can, I, he can be frustrated with players and, and teammates. I get that. But the way he left Chicago and the way he left uh, Minnesota, he really needs things to work out pretty well in Philadelphia. Or else he's going to end up like team has got to get rid of uh, Carmelo. Uh, mm. I think <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, I know that. Yeah, and, oh. and and look, I don't think Carmelo's a bad guy. I don't think Jimmy Butler is a bad guy necessarily, but at some point, people get tired of your of your of your act. Or they get tired of you. Mm-hmm. And no matter how good you are, 
you stop becoming you're you're not worth the headache. And and that's where uh I see both of these guys, like Carmelo, I don't know what his next step is gonna be. <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know where you go from this. Uh Tracy McGrady said, you know, he should retire. You know, he he's mm-hmm. he's got a Hall of Fame career and that is not debatable. You know, people he hasn't won anything. That's not how that works, okay? Um, he's like, got a Hall of Fame career, and if he's got no interest in coming off the bench, there's nowhere in the league he can go. Uh, his defensive numbers were uh, porous, or, I mean, you know, in there in Houston. So I don't know where he goes to be a starter. Uh I, I just, you know, he's had a great career, uh, but it's just it may be time to move on. I don't know where he would go and kind of recapture Denver first couple of years in New York, Mellow. I, I don't know where he goes to do that. So the pressure's yeah. on Jimmy Butler in, in mm-hmm. Philadelphia to, to change things. And if, if Carmelo wants to keep playing in the NBA – He's going to have to fashion himself as uh, as a as a as a bench guy, as a second unit guy. Now, you know, will his ego let him do it? I, I you know, I don't know. And also, you know, because Tracy McGrady did a little bit of ring chasing too, so I think he's coming off a little pious in that respect. You know, because yeah, he had a he had a. He, he, you know, he had a year with the uh, with the Spurs where he wasn't quite the mm-hmm. so so okay okay you know that needs to be in the small print or whatever he says but uh, but I think with Carmelo you know he he's got to ask himself which is crazy to me when you look at uh, and I know I've talked forever and ever last point when you look at Carmelo and you look at Dwayne Wade and you look at LeBron. Like, as a Lakers fan, I was thinking, LeBron is just not playing well. He's averaging like 27, 7, and 7. Like, (laughs) LeBron is – and and look, we can talk about greatest and and yada, yada, yada. I I get all that. But LeBron is is so good that in his 15th year, 16th year, whatever it is, he is putting up 27, 7. And everybody's like, what's wrong with Braun? To me, says a lot. Like, <laughs> but just the, the physical nature of him still be able to play at an elite level when his contemporaries are, are, you know, Dwayne Wade's not what he used to be. Obviously, Carmelo's not. I just think we just need to take a step and appreciate what the heck uh, LeBron's doing. And then you add in the fact that you know, you, you were sitting there kind of as a you know, Lakers fan kind of poo-pooing what he's done. I think back to when he first came into the league, and, you know, I remember seeing him on Sports Illustrated and, and all that, and he was St. Vincent, St. Mary's, this kid out of Akron, blah, blah, blah. He can't miss this, that, and the other. You know, going to be the first pick. And I'm like, okay, all right, that's fine. I was like, let me see him do this against grown men. Let me see him 
when he goes up against Carl Malone. And he stepped in, and I, I was sitting there watching his first game against Sacramento when he did, you know, put up the same numbers <laughs> in game one as he's still putting up now, you know, 25, 8, and whatever he had. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, and so he, you know, consistently done it from 2003 till now. And, and with and with LeBron, and, and you know, I, I think we kind of got on this now, but we haven't seen somebody be the chosen one from a, being a junior in high school and and actually be end up being better than advertised. Michael Jordan didn't become Michael Jordan until he got to the NBA. You know, Carmelo obviously with the championship at Syracuse, but LeBron was 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 dubbed the man still in high school, and he's been magnificent and delivered on the national stage for twenty years at a high level. Look, LeBron may not be the best. We can debate him and MJ. I don't think we have ever seen a peak like LeBron. When you think about his first finals with Cleveland in 2007 to now, I mean, look look at what Cleveland is right now. And really, LeBron was the only guy that left. Look at what happens when LeBron leaves. Cleveland, you know, Miami, you know, went down. I think they won 30 after he left or something like that. But, look, but, but Cleveland might win 20 games. I mean, the guy's ridiculous, and I think we need to appreciate what we're seeing uh, from him a lot more than, than we are. Definitely. Um, just uh, you mentioned Bill Nova and Jay Wright earlier. I just saw where they're playing Michigan tonight, which, you know, rematch of the title game, and Michigan is just, wow. Michigan 44-17 to at halftime uh, over – Jay Wright and Villanova. Well, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Jay Wright's having to start from scratch. And, you know, I'm not knocking the two titles in, in three years. That's obviously difficult. Uh, you know, that's that's rarefied air. But, yeah, sometimes you, you have that. It's like, you know, Florida catching lightning in a bottle with those titles and, and not really being able to recreate that. Uh, and, again, uh, maybe I am sounding a little – elitist, but that's if, if Villanova wants to be a blue blood, hey, you got to, you know, you got to reload and get back out there. That's what separates the Dukes, Kentuckys, Kansas, and, and North Carolina from everybody else is you can't stay at championship level forever, but those programs, you know, the, 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 the valleys are low and, they're, and they're, they're not very long. So it's how can you get back, get back up? Because remember, we're not that far away from the Villanova losing in the first round jokes, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so they definitely got uh, uh, some work to do. I do wish them, uh, you know, I, I do, I, I'm not anti Villanova by any stretch, but you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge when you lose a lot of talent like that to get, to get right back and, and, and Nova nation or whatever they call themselves, they, you know, they, they can see that <laughs> or they, they can see that uh, uh, up front. Or up close, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Number eight, Villanova taking it on the chin. Uh, and speaking of Michigan, uh, former Wolverine, Karis LeVert, 
who before this week for Kentucky fans probably known more so for playing brilliant defense on Aaron Harrison, couldn't guard him any better uh, without fouling him or hitting him on the elbow or, 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 you know, putting him on the line, but was on the wrong end of that dagger from Aaron Harrison on the great run of clutch shots that he made. You know, I just I marveled at the toughness of that shot because I'm like, God, Karras couldn't have guarded him any better. But he had a gruesome injury, uh, dislocated his foot. Uh, I forget who they were playing. It was from Charlotte. He went up to contest and block a shot and came down awkwardly. We've seen this kind of thing before. You talk about getting old. When you've seen a lot of these, I know you've been around a while, but you know, we saw Gordon Hayward. You know, we've seen other players. You know, Sean Livingston, we talked about that before. I think about Tim Crumrod in the Super Bowl. I think he was playing against your 49ers. And I remember as a kid watching his yeah. foot not do what it was supposed to do. Karis LeVert had a similar gruesome injury, but as good a news as possible came out of that, that it was just a dislocation and wouldn't even require surgery. And he may possibly return this season because he's, I mean, look, say what you will about the Nets, he was hooping uh, and kind of carving out a name for himself and off to a, a good start to his young career. So you hate to see that for anybody, but you hate to see that for him with him playing so well. Uh, but he got the best possible news out of that awful situation. Uh, so, you know, good for him that it wasn't as bad as it appeared when everybody looked in horror at their televisions when he went down. Yeah, you know, send uh, send him uh, best wishes and prayers for a speedy uh, recovery. The Nets are one of those teams I forget about, honestly. <laughs> one of those. Oh yeah, there is a team <laughs> called the uh, Brooklyn Nets. You just forget about them. But uh, you're right. Uh, I only knew him from the Aaron Harrison shot, and he kind of yeah. you know faded. And and I was, and then I did see at some point a couple weeks ago. Oh, this is. This is that same LeVert guy. You know, this is that same guy. Uh, he was doing really well. Then you see that injury. So, uh, definitely hate to hate to see that. Um, I, for my money, and I, I don't know how you do that, there's been a lot of these kind of injuries, more so in basketball when you look at uh, Paul George and you look at uh, yeah. Gordon Hayward last year. I, you know, and I'm no scientist or anything like that. I, I think it's probably time, or it may be past time, to to look at a new type of playing surface. There's just a lot of these kind of weird, gruesome injuries, and I don't know how you eliminate injuries, but there, there's got to be something they can look at to say, hey, wait a minute, we're losing some good, we're losing guys to these kind of these gruesome kind of things. There's just something we can do to to you know. To, to address that, but that's just my science talk for the day. That's it. And look, I'm going to say this now because I may never be able to say it the rest of this season and, and, and who knows for seasons to come, but in the way, way, way too early, because, you know, this is, everybody loves to do the way too early stuff. You know, you see a team win a title and they already got projections who's going to win the following year. You know, when the team that just won is just now popping champagne. But 
in the way, way, way too early if the playoffs were to start today, Terry Brown, the Brooklyn Nets, the forgettable Brooklyn Nets, would be the eighth seed in the East. They're 6-8 and eight right now. If the playoffs started today after a month of NBA basketball, they would be the eighth seed in the East. Well, I think that just shows you what the East has got going. But, no, I get, I get what you're saying. I honestly <laughs> I forget about the – you know, if it wasn't for the Greek freak, I'd probably forget about the uh, the Bucks as well. Just franchises you just forget about. You know, I, I got my ongoing list of teams that have won championships that you just – or play for championships you forget about. Uh, you know, the the Rockies being in a World Series is at the top of that list. So, um, yeah, you know, it, and I want to see Brooklyn uh, do well. I mean, New York and that whole area is a, is a basketball hotbed, but – you know, outside of, you know, those Jason Kidd teams uh, with Kenyon Martin and Keith Horn, you know, it's been kind of slow, slow going for, for Nets Nation. And Tom McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but for them to be 6-8 and eight right now is actually a win because Cleveland is 2-11, and, and that's normally where the Nets live. Now, I'm not saying they're – not going to fall to that, but, you know, that's a win for them right now. And I was going to mention the Bucks tonight, too. You already touched on them. They're 10-3. and three. The coach that was uh, at Atlanta got you know, Budenholzer, who, you know, is now the coach of the Bucks. He was a long-time Popovich's assistant and all that. They love the system and style of play he's brought up to Milwaukee. Uh, you got Giannis, who is getting more and more range on his shot, which is going to be scary for everybody who's got to try to check him. 10-3, and three, Milwaukee, do you see them keeping this going and them actually really becoming legit to where you don't forget about them anymore? Well, and, and this is what I love about the, the NBA is now that LeBron has moved west, now the East becomes interesting. For the first time in a decade, really, the East is interesting. Because even uh, 2009, when uh, the Magic made it to the finals, they, they went through LeBron. So now we're actually to a point where you can say, okay, if you're Boston, can Boston do it? Even though you know they're having some friction with Terry Rozier and, and whatnot. Uh, I, and out I, of I my disappointing team really so far is the Wizards. That, oh, my goodness. I'm just – yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. There's, there's a lot there. But going back to the Bucks, mm-hmm. absolutely, if, if they can get and make – because they made the playoffs last year and got a little bit of that playoff taste, if he's able to, you know, make that next step up and go from – you know, Greek freak to actual stud player, and and, and uh, I think they can really make a, a lot of noise. Now, can they make it all the way through the gauntlet to the finals? I, I don't know if I'd say that yet, but I'd have to say it, it's looking pretty good. They're moving in that direction, and, and people don't want to say coaches make a difference, but but they absolutely do when you can put a, pl- a, a scheme in place to really emphasize what your team can do. And that's what you're saying with, with Bolden Hoser. 
kind of really improving uh, and capitalizing on what uh, Giannis can do. And, you know, going into the season, and look, it's early. Everybody's just played a handful of games, 12, 14, 13 games. The East was basically Boston's to lose. And like you said, you mentioned, you know, a Terry in there calling trouble. They're 76. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Toronto, 12 and 2. Milwaukee, 10 and 3. Philly's 9 and 6, and they just add Jimmy Butler. Now, and of course, we know that can go either way. I think that can just vault them right on up to where they hope, or it can, you know, sink their battleship. We'll see real soon if they play in Orlando tonight. But, um, you know, Boston doing what they did last year without Hayward, and then you lose Kyrie at the tail end, bringing them back to the young guys, you know, Tatum and and Jalen Brown, you know, made them the odds-on favorites to just, you know, run circles around everybody, which they still could. But it's surprising to see them kind of get out of the gate so slow. Well, for for me, the quote from Kyrie this week about, you know, this team needs a a veteran and yada, yada, yada. Look, man, you had that. You you had that in Cleveland. Uh-huh. Look, I, I get it. You don't want to be the man. I, I, I get it. I respect it. You know, a lot of people try to be the man, and they shouldn't be. So, I you know, I get it. But you have that. Like, you knew that with LeBron – you you had your ticket punched to the finals every year. Like, you knew that. And and you didn't want that. And look, hey, it's, it's your choice, whatever, whatever. But now you can't complain because the team you're on doesn't have what you had on your own team. That's not the way this works. You, you, can't, you can't say, oh, man, well, I wish. No, no, man, no, 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 no. Everything he said this team needed, is what he had with Braun. And, and and look, and I look, I'm not knocking him because I get it. You reach the point where you're just I'm tired of being sunned by LeBron. I get it. But uh, you, you can't complain because it, it's it's like Draymond talking about KD. Like, look man, you cried on the phone and wanted this man to come play with you. And now that he did, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta take it. Whatever, whatever it is, you know, be careful what you wish for because, boom, you're going to get it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, bring this around the year, Los Angeles Lakers, 7-6 uh, and six right now, uh, one game ahead of my Houston Rockets. You know, the Lakers should also be 6-7 and seven like my Rockets are, but thanks to a uh, Tyson Chandler goal 10, they are – I gave above 500, and they are taking on the 10-3 and three Portland Trailblazers at Staples tonight. So how are you feeling about that? Great goal 10. Uh, you know, I always, I always said, you know, goal 10s here, there. You know, whatever's called, that's the call. <laughs> um, you know, for, for, I didn't think this was going to be an easy year. Uh, it, it's kind of like with, with Kentucky. I knew that there was such a roster upheaval, there was going to be a learning curve. And 
it's always a learning curve with LeBron. You know, he's got to figure out how much do I need to do, how much can I defer. Teammates need to understand, you know, okay, how much, you know, LeBron is getting this much attention. How can I do my best with the attention that he's getting? So it's a little um, – it's a delicate balance, so I get that. So I'm not too concerned. I, I still think this is a playoff team, so I'm not, you know – uh, I'm not. I'm not jumping off that, but uh, they'll figure it out. Again, LeBron. Again, he, he. I've watched games. He he's pretty much coasting, and he's putting up twenty-seven seven and seven. That to me is insane. And it, for an NBA level game, for an NBA player to be able to put up twenty-seven and seven and seven. And, and and really not break a sweat. Now I'm not saying he's he's dogging it and all that kind of stuff, but he hasn't reached LeBron level of play yet. So my concern would be if LeBron was killing himself and 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 really doing all this, and we were seven to six. It's a it's a feel out period. Uh, but to answer tonight, I, I I know they played Portland really close the first time. Uh, it was a, it was a tight game there, so I'd, I'd expect. That again, uh, and Lakers. Lakers need to put some put some games together. So I think they, you know, it, you're at home at Staples. Now is as good as time as any. Yeah, and and they don't want to see LeBron when he gets impatient. They don't want to see him when he loses patience. We we know that as well. So we'll take that well, for this work, Luke Walton. But yeah, but the the, the difference is. Uh, in Cleveland, the, the sun rose and set in LeBron. In L.A., Magic Johnson can say, wait a minute, LeBron, and, 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 add, and give him some heads up because, you know, Magic's like, hey, look, I, I, I've done this. This is what we need to do. So I think it's a different mindset than, uh, with, with Cleveland. Uh, when you walk in to a practice facility and there's no title, trophies and you walk into another one and there's oh wow that that 16 I, I so many i lost count uh but oh, anything gosh. anything more than two anything more than two i think would be you know respectful. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough no i mean fair it, i mean if you got if you got if you got two i think that that's great i'm not gonna knock having two two world titles i think is something you can say wow that's two two whole championships, but when you got sixteen, I think it's a different <laughs> it's a different mindset. Uh, <laughs> hey, I got I got to zing when I can. My my Niners are coughing up close close losses like nobody's business. They made uh, Eli Manning look like it was two thousand and six again. So I got to take joy and solace where I can. That's right. That's right. And. Look, as mad my Cowboys are maddening. That's exactly what they are because they the Titans tried to give them the game last Monday. You know, turnovers all over the place. Dallas getting the ball in the red zone and only getting seven points, <clears throat> and then they flip around and lose. And and I purposely listened to Dallas radio on like iHeart or TuneIn, whatever it was. The following day, just to just to get the pulse of the city, and one of the guys did say he said, "Just watch, they'll go to Philadelphia and win." That's this is what they do. They just 
crap out a game they should win, and then they'll go to Philly where odds against them and, and watch them win. If they didn't go to Philadelphia and win, I, I checked the score during the concert and just looked and saw where they'd won. So, you know, you talk about the Lakers need to string some games together. Dallas has been needing to do that for years, but that's not what Jason Garrett does. So, uh, <laughs> they'll probably lose to the Falcons who just got beat down by the Browns. And that's just, you know, it's just the Cowboys being the Cowboys. Um, Dwayne Casey turns home. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was like, Jason Garrett is Jeff Fisher with with better hand clapping. <laughs> it was, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, I mean, and it's the whole fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, whatever George Bush can't get food again. Apparently, whenever Jerry does question him about it, he just BSs his way out of whatever – you know, negative perception is with the ownership. He can just talk his way out of all of whatever they're feeling, and you know, he's doing something because he's kept a job this long, going eight and eight. Uh, you know, mediocrity. Either that, or he's got some some real bad photos of Jerry somewhere <laughs> that he just threatens to to break out. Something something's happening. Well, as a as a Cowboys fan. You know, as, as a Lakers fan, I watch Shaq and Kobe kind of bring a dynasty to an end. Don't you have to sit and wonder, what if Jerry Jones and um, Jimmy Johnson could have worked together? What if they could have made that work? Could would, would the Cowboys be what the Patriots are? As far as, you know. Yeah. You know, if 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 they were able to keep it going, which which wasn't impossible because Jimmy Johnson with his you know his eye for talent, it it wasn't impossible for them to be able to replace guys. But I just because I saw a little video on Facebook talking about the Herschel Walker trade and uh, and just all the talent Dallas got off of that. But you have to think that. If they could have made it work, I mean, they could have added two, three more Super Bowls to the Dallas Trophy case. Definitely, I think that's got to be one of those. That's got to be one of those what ifs, you know, when 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 uh, Jerry Jones, you know, finally sells the team, you know, yeah, he'll have all the the hype and hoopla of, of bringing you know titles back to Dallas, but man. There's going to be some what ifs. Why couldn't that work? I'd watch that thirty for thirty. You know of what it was that that kept that that unit from from going from from continuing. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's ridiculous. You know, Troy Aikman was not a fan of seeing Switzer come in. Uh, that's no secret that he was a Jimmy Johnson guy. And they still won a Super Bowl in spite of Barry Switzer coming in and, you know, having the gun in his bag and, and just, you know, we did it our way. And, and just that wild. Jimmy <laughs> Barry was wild, man. And they still won another title. They got a third Super Bowl with all of that going on. So, yeah, it, you know, if, if Jerry could have checked his ego, 
and just let Jimmy do his thing, you 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 know, it, you have to just wonder what might have been for sure. Yeah, and I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound, but just, you know, I, like I said, my Lakers left a couple of titles on the table. I, I think it's fair to say that the, the Cowboys, even though they won one more without uh, Jimmy Johnson, probably could have won that one and, and a couple more after that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, former cat Dwayne Casey and his Pistons are back in Toronto just retweeted a guy from the Toronto Sun, Ryan Wolstat. Uh They gave him a big tribute on the, the Jumbotron there in Toronto with all his time there as head coach of the Raptors. So um, good to see him still get love. He's doing uh, well with Detroit, and no doubt he wants to come back to his old stomping grounds and and, and get a win against the team that he used to coach with Detroit 6-6. Six and six. So, yeah, it'd be a – It'd be upset, too, to come in and knock off Toronto, especially as hot as they've been. But good to see him still showing love to Dwayne Casey up there. Yeah, you know, that's why you look at the NBA, it's hard to overlook people with ties to Kentucky. That's why I, I just don't understand even, you know, people here uh, in, in Kentucky that I don't care about the NBA. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Not yeah. only do I like the NBA yeah. as a product, but, my goodness, there's Kentucky flavor all over the place. Like, you said earlier, you know, DeMarcus Cousins being the voice of reason there in Golden State. I mean, this is it's bizarro times. And and Jamal Murray scores 48, uh, wasn't quite able to get to 50, and De'Aaron Fox has just been nasty. And, and Sacramento is trying to change from being the same old Sacramento outside of the Vlade, C-Webb, Jason Williams, Pager years. And and, and and Shea, Gildas Alexander, has been great in his kind of reserve role with the with the Clippers. That's what I'm saying is it, it's hard to turn on a game and, and not see some Kentucky flavor. But De'Aaron Fox is making the leap. And, and people, we can go back Man. and listen to the old shows. The Lakers should have taken him instead of Lonzo Ball. Mm. I, that's Ooh. just – that's not hindsight. That's just what I saw with my own eyes. So that's not me second guessing. I was guessing at the, at the start. So De'Aaron uh, uh, Fox is just – I mean, when you start getting on lists with, you know, all-time great, you got to pay attention. You know, uh, so he's, he's also a, a, a great start. So it's just you – know, I don't love the NBA joke. Really? Because I'm kind of a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, this has been a fun two hours. Uh, we've worked in a whole lot of stuff. Uh, and you get to cover Soccer Sunday, right? Yeah, I'll be at the Bell Soccer Complex. I'm dragging uh, dragging my uh, my assistants, assistants with me, so it should be it should be a fun time. Uh, because, you know, people talking about, you know, the bad week of U.K. athletics. Well, I know men's basketball and football, I, I get that. But the whole of U.K. athletics, man, I mean, because uh, uh, what did Hunter – Hunter Mitchell told us that, you know, with a win tonight and another – and I think the win on this weekend, 
that puts Kentucky volleyball, that guarantees at least a share of the SEC championship. And then, you know, a couple of more wins and that, that they will win it outright for the first time since 1989. So like uh, Dwayne Peavy said last week, they're all about championships at this point. So, uh, yeah, I know disappointing in those two sports, but everything else is motoring right along. That's right. That's right. So everybody enjoy Kentucky, North Dakota tonight. Looking forward to hearing uh, how it went to cover the soccer next week. Um, <clears throat> that's still an event I've got to get to. I've been, and you covered more than I have, and 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 I've been to several different sports, but I haven't been to soccer. Been to softball and baseball. I haven't covered them, so definitely looking forward to hearing how uh, it goes with you covering. Kentucky men's soccer in the NCAA tournament next week, and hopefully we'll be back talking about a win over NTSU, um, as well as you know Kentucky basketball continuing to find themselves and, and get their footing uh, as the season continues to progress. Absolutely, and the the, the men's the women's team women's basketball is off to a, a, a great start. So just a, just a lot. A lot to be happy. Yeah, big game against Virginia tomorrow uh, in Rupp Arena. They're actually, you know, giving paying a, uh, paying a scholarship for a student. Uh, I forget if they're doing a drawing or you got to hit a shot or what. But somebody, some a student tomorrow is going to get some tuition paid if they just show up and go to Rupp Arena to watch uh, the Kentucky women's basketball team take on Virginia. I heard Coach Mitz talking about that earlier today. So uh, a lot of good stuff and a lot of fun stuff to continue to keep our eyes on like we always do. Absolutely. Thanks for everything. Thanks for everybody for listening. Stay warm. I'm seeing, you know, different tweets about the weather in my home state. Y'all be safe. If it does get a little bit nasty with, you know, turning the snow and trying to Get some accumulation. Y'all be safe up there in Louisville and Frankfurt and Lickington and all the surrounding areas as well. Absolutely. For my man, Terry TV Brown, this is Benny Hardy for another episode of Cat Talk Wednesday. See y'all next Wednesday. We enjoyed it. Appreciate y'all listening to the show. We just be living in London. We just enjoy each other. We spread that feeling.